Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. How is everyone this morning? Amen. There's one person that's good. And I know I sound a little bassy. Uh, I'm not contagious. I promise you I'm just um, on, the, on the good side of a little bit of a cold. And I always lose my voice this time of year. Even this morning, Diane said, how long will you preach? And I just thought, I'll probably preach so I'll lose. I'm, I'm, that, was, that was bad, I know. <clears throat> hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I mentioned this a little bit earlier during prayer. We've been in the series, A New Season of Grace. Um, we know we moved into the fall several weeks ago, but what, what does it mean to be in a new season of grace? I believe that we're moving into multiple new seasons from week to week, right? Um, sometimes our, our weekly schedules get changed on a daily basis, according to the news. Uh, po- politics have us uh, scurrying as to what's going to happen. I mean, there's a lot of different currents out there that that can keep us on shaky ground if we're not careful. But when I say a new season, I'm not talking about a concern for what might happen to us. It's a new concern of what God wants to do through us. You see, I'm really, I'm sort of hungry. Uh, Years ago, we would use terms like revival, and they just meant powerful services. Now, we wanted life change, obviously, but it usually came and manifests itself in a lot of powerful church services. Some of you remember those days? Maybe it was a tent, maybe it was a sanctuary, maybe a tabernacle, maybe a church, and and we would have a week-long revival, or if God really moved, it was a a month-long revival. But here's the reality. I believe revival is real. I I believe revival can happen. But I'm not looking for another exciting church service. I, I want to see life change that impacts the family at home. I want to see the kind of life change now that might re, result in powerful services on Sunday because we celebrate. We need to be celebrating here what God has been doing all week long. We come to remember. We come to refill, if you will. We come to enjoy the fellowship, the camaraderie, the worshiping God together. Um, we, we meet during the week in grace groups and different groups But I'm telling you, it's not just about being good when we're together. It's about making a change in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit that wherever you go, there's influence. So we've been talking about what that transformation looks like. Well, it first starts by a a surrender to the Lord, giving our lives to him. He gave himself to us. But now it's deciding to follow Jesus. So we become believers. And in that process, no one becomes perfect. He who begins a good work in us will complete it. But what happens is as we follow Christ, we we understand that healing needs to take place in some areas of our lives. Now, that's not, I know some people, I'm going to just do a little quick commercial for our grace groups. Uh, Some people are afraid of groups, small groups, because they are just, they understand if I get in a small group, they're going to get to know me. 
and I don't need that right now, right? And we understand that dynamic. We understand we've probably been there, maybe been hurt by it. We understand. But it's not, that's not why we're doing it. It's because when you get in a place that's safe and people love Jesus and our eyes are focused on Jesus, that is the place where you want the Holy Spirit to be able to do some surgery in your life and healing take place. Being set free from junk, addictions, things that bind us, things that hold us in that place and it happened 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and we're stuck right there. We can be set free. We, we talked uh, a few weeks ago about what it looked like to be disciples. And this is very, just a very broad uh, series, okay? We're not, we're not going down deep yet on any of this. Because even today, talking about being equipped, there's a lot of gifts of the Spirit that we could talk about. But I'm not even going to break down into the different gifts of the Spirit. Because as God equips us, I just want us to notice a couple of things about the why of equipping. So let's read out of Ephesians chapter 4. <coughs> and I'm going to read a couple different verses, and so I'll skip around a little bit. But I'm going to start in chapters uh, 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And then verse 11, he says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or, or a mature man. We're all working toward maturity. We're all growing. Uh, I've heard this said many times by so many different leaders, but if you think you're done learning, you're done. You never stop growing. You never stop learning. But he goes on to say, that perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that's our goal. And you'll, you'll never do it on your own, right? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint that supplies according to the effective work by which every part does its share. It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So what, what is he saying to us? <clears throat> when my brothers and I, I've got two brothers, two younger brothers, uh, one is about a year and a half younger than I am, and the other is about 10 years younger than I am. But whenever we're together, even the three of us, and I, I see this with myself and my youngest brother, but I don't see this with my, my brother that's between us. But if we're together, people inevitably will say, are you triplets? And, and we'll say no, which very much insults my younger brother because he doesn't want to be associated with my age. <laughs> but then you can see the two of us in different places, and some have even asked my brother if he's my son. So there are paybacks. But I say that because when you resemble somebody, it's noticeable. 
when, when you start to look like someone, you know, so my brothers and I could walk in the room and they would recognize that we are all named McLeod, so they immediately said, are you triplets? Well, we weren't triplets, but, but there was confusion because we looked so much alike. Can you imagine, as we call ourselves Christians, what it would look like if someone just continually confused us with Christ? Now, I'm not talking about a beard and long hair. What I am talking about is, as we continue to grow and we continue to develop, what, what does it look like for our spouses to stay? You know, the last couple of weeks I've noticed something different. Or somebody at work, I've, I've noticed, now this is not to make anyone feel bad about anything that's happened this last week. Somebody say amen. Because everybody has those four days every week. Uh, on the other hand, what happens um, when we're allowing ourselves to continue to grow? This doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It means you just continue to grow. I think John Maxwell wrote a book calling about failing forward. If you're going to fall, you know, make sure you're falling forward and you're getting up and moving forward. So I, I, I want to look at this this morning just from the perspective of what it means to even need to become equipped. Why? Can't we just get saved, enjoy church, maybe invite some family members to the programs, hand out the cards, and please, if you do hand out cards, include candy. We don't want to be that church. On the other hand, what is Paul saying here when he talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? We refer to that many times as the fivefold gifts of the church or to the church. And these are not gifts of the Spirit. These are gifts that we recognize that Jesus gave the church. Now, again, I don't want to get real, I don't want to get lost in, so what are modern-day apostles? What are modern-day prophets? What does that need to look like? I, I believe that some of you sitting here have apostolic gifts. I believe that some of you sitting here have pastoral gifts, have teaching gifts. It doesn't mean you have to pastor a church. It doesn't mean you have to be the teacher. It, it means that chances are there's going to be a way God uses you within the church. Because outside of this passage, there are uh, several other locations where spiritual gifts, because we all have different gifts, but I'm talking specifically about why these gifts were given to the church. And it's not to bolster pastors or teachers or apostolic leaders. It's not about that. Every local body has those kind of gifts or some type of uh, combination of those gifts at work, and all of us have different gifts that operate in the body. But what is he saying here? Why are these gifts given to the church? He goes on to say, it's for the equipping of the saints. It's not so we can have an apostle on staff. It's not so we can have our own personal prophet on staff. It's, it's understanding all of our leaders here that are operating and teaching and, and organizing and, and doing different gifts and operating in different structures within the church. It's not about how many programs can we have. It's how are we equipping you to take a next step? What tools are we putting in your hands to make a difference in your life this week? 
I heard someone this last week, <clears throat> they asked me the question, what does a church like look like involved in politics? I said, well, um, get a little bit more specific with your question, please. And they said, well, how do, you, how do you approach politics in your church? I said, you don't have to. Now, listen, I'm not, because I'm not bashful about being red or blue. I, it's not even about, it's too easy to slam the condition of our world. But Jesus didn't come to slam the condition of the world. He didn't come to condemn the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't love, he didn't love the saved ones. He loved all of us. So how does politics even play part in the church? Folks, when you are equipped and when you face the things in this life that you'll face, little by little, you'll start to realize, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. What I used to think was okay is not okay. What I used to think was, well, what's wrong with that? Oh, there's, it keeps me from Jesus. That's what's wrong with that. So you start to walk differently. You start to talk differently. And I don't mean just behavior modification. I mean, you real, there's something in your spirit that says, that's not me anymore. And even when you make a mistake, come on, because this isn't about the law. This is about grace. So even when you make a mistake, it's not about beating yourself up. It's about being in that group, being with someone, confessing your faults, confessing your sin to Christ, going before him, and getting up and not doing it again. Here's when people usually see transformation in action, when they keep seeing you get up. Um, it, it's not about if they see you fall, and I'm not advocating sin. I'm just saying most of us give up. It's, we, you know, we give our lives to Christ, we go home in front of our family who doesn't care, and we fall, and they say, see, we told you it wouldn't last. Now, worse yet, that even happens in the church. Somebody comes in that we still haven't forgiven. God will, but somehow we got a problem. So somebody comes in, and they really have some, what looks like to be some transformation going on. They, they look differently, they talk differently, but in the back of our minds, we're like, well, let's just give it a week. <laughs> let's, give it, let's give it two weeks and see what... And I'm, I don't have a sick twist of humor. That's not a root of humor bitterness that I've got. It's just I, I see it all the time. Now, here's, here's our dilemma. Are we willing to be equipped? Are we willing to allow, and when I say authority of the church, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. There's one faith, one baptism, one Lord, one body. God is over all, in all, and desires to work through all. So what does that mean? That means I've got to be willing to be equipped. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not getting into any of the different gifts. or I'm not even getting specific about ways you can do this right now. As, as much as I want you to understand, it's, of, it's not of necessity for just a few of us to get gifted. It's of a necessity that all of us find out what God is wanting to do in our lives, because the body needs every cell operating. The body needs, if I'm the foot, I need to be operating, or we're not going anywhere unless we're hopping. Okay. Hello? 
um, if we need two hands to move things, if I'm the hand and I decide I'm not, I'm not playing my part, I know this is elementary, but it's easy to intellectualize but not be willing to apply. So what does, what does this look like? How can I decide, you know what, I am. I do want to know, not just what my gifts are on paper so I can start carrying them around in my pocket and you know, we have assessments, but it doesn't mean, look, here's what I do. Well, no, actually, that's just a small profile of what we think by faith is in there. It's giving us opportunities to walk it out. But what has to happen? The first thing that has to happen is this. We have to be available. You have to make yourself available. Anybody even watching right now, you have to make yourself available. What's the difference between available and able? Um, you can be incredibly able, but if you're not available, who cares? So besides the spelling, um, you can be incredibly able. Now, a lot of people don't make themselves available because they don't feel able. When you become available, he will make you able. When you give your life in such a way that, that you're saying, you know what? Now listen, anywhere or everywhere, I'll help. I, I know we offer the classes. We're going to be doing it again very soon. We're even getting things set up to be able to have a lot of the information online. But you don't wait to serve until you've done the assessment. That might help. A lot of times it hurts. And here's why. We do the assessment, and we find our three clusters, and then we decide, that's where I can't do anything else. Well, can you, can you help us in this area? Nope. Here, it says right here, I'm limited to the, those three. That's not what it means. But instead of waiting for that, what it means, and I'm not just talking about, we're not just talking about volunteers here in the church. I'm talking about using your gifts and talents anywhere you go. That, that's when the church corporately comes together. We minister and love each other. But, you know, there's, there's a world out there who would love to see Jesus Christ in a real way, who would love to experience Jesus Christ, and, and they, they really don't get to unless we feel like we have to drag them to a building. And I'm not against people coming. What I am saying is if there's no transformation taking place in our lives, they'll never see it outside. Am I making any sense? So, so what does that look like? I've got to be available. I've got to make myself available. Um, if, if there's something going on at the church, make myself available. Does it sound like we're on a recruiting mission today for volunteers? Not necessarily, but I tell you right now, coming out of COVID, um, a lot of things I learned during COVID and a lot of the blessings coming out of COVID coming out of COVID were simply a lot of resources came from a lot of different directions. And this may sound a little tight, but it's right. A lot of people got used to being taken care of while doing absolutely nothing at home. Now, not everybody. Some of you I know had to go to work every day. Some of you ended up having to transition to learn how to work in different ways from home. And life may never be the same. But here's what I've noticed. People have gotten very comfortable being taken care of. 
But when it comes to being equipped, we'll let the professionals deal with that. That's not why the pastors and the apostles, and the, that's not why we're here at church. We're here to equip each other. <clears throat> uh, last week, again, Pastor Nick, an incredible job. Thank you, Pastor Nick. And, um, but back in 2019, my wife wanted to surprise our grandchildren, and so we booked a Disney cruise in 2019, and we went on it last weekend because it was canceled three different times during COVID. Now, here's, here's the problem with going on any kind of a Disney cruise, probably any cruise, but I know Disney for sure. Um, there, there's such an attention to detail, you don't have to lift a finger, and they're serving you every whim, all, um, whether it's food, whatever you want. They're throwing out towels. They're putting chocolate on your pillow. They're doing all kind of stuff, and you're walking around doing nothing but gaining weight. And, and I felt guilty because I said, man, if somebody's not careful, they could get used to this. They could get used to just walking in the room and everything's about them. They could get, and now that's the whole point of the cruise, right? Because they're going to get your money too. <laughs> You're paying for the service. But is that real life? You know, once the last song is sung at Beauty and the Beast and everybody walks off the ship, you know what doesn't happen at the truck stop on the way home? You know, you walk into Bojangles and they're not going to say, sir, please sit over here. It's more like, watch your mask on and we're out of wings. Um, and, and it's like, oh man, where, where did all that service go? Because that's not reality. On the other hand, I wonder what it would be like if we would check our spirits occasionally and realize that we're more treating church and our Christianity more like a cruise than we are real life. We want to be on a cruise. We want gentle sailing, no rough seas. Hold the pickles, no mayo, please. I'm sorry. It's just flowing now. Um, you know, we want the sailing to be simple. We, we don't, you know, please only port in the fun areas. You know, only go to the nice islands. Don't go to the bad islands. Only, only serve me what I want, not what I need. And I, now listen, all I'm saying is we have the propensity, can I get an amen, to, to turn our Christian walk into a life of leisure rather than equipping because it demands discipline, it demands change. So you have to make yourself available. It doesn't happen when you're not available. So I have to make myself available. What does that look like? Uh, several passages I'm going to read real quick. Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit to these faithful men who will be able to teach others also. He says, be faithful, be able, be reliable. He doesn't say be perfect. I mentioned this a moment ago. Proverbs 24, 16. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. What is he saying? He's saying that you don't become unrighteous because you fall. 
It's the righteous man who gets back up and keeps following Jesus. It's the righteous man that, that he's not looking for a place to fall. He, he's not living in a fallen state. He, he's following Christ, but when he falls, he gets back up. Make sense? Because I, I, I just know so many of us from time to time, something happens, something impacts us. I talked about unforgiveness a few moments ago, and, and we get stuck in certain places, and we decide that's our new normal rather than knowing that God's trying to equip us and prepare us for a work to bring us to unity, to operate as the body. So I, I want you to be available, he says. But then secondly, not only be ava available, but we need to be a servant. <clears throat> now, why do I say this? The Apostle Paul could have easily desired and even demanded that he be called an apostle. But anytime he introduces himself in just about every epistle, he calls himself the servant. I attended a funeral yesterday of a very good friend of ours, local pastor. And um, during the family sharing their different memories, he was a great guy. But they read a passage out of Joshua. When God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, Moses, my servant. I, I wonder how powerful that is when God calls you his servant. When you're identified as my servant. Now, I, I know the culture we live in. You know, Pastor, we need to be a little bit more understanding about using that word servant. No, it's, it's exactly what it means. But now here's, here's the point. Even in Scripture, when Paul calls himself a servant here, he's not talking about being a slave to something, to sin especially, but he is talking about being indebted and going to, he's not working his own salvation, but being a servant in that time meant that you were indebted to someone and you were going to serve in their family, on their farm, with their business, whatever. You were going to serve to work that indebtedness off. We're not earning our salvation. We're serving God because we're his children. We belong to him. Paul said this, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. Now, that, that's counterculture to how we are taught every day, right? Because we're, we're proud to be who we are. You're demanded to be proud of your specific race, and so you should be. But what point do we stop being white or black or brown, and we start being Christians? Now, I'm not, please, please, I'm not anti-anybody's race. But, you know, out of the mouths of babes, there was a television show the other night. They were talking about race and religion, and they asked a young boy, do you see differences in race? And here was his answer. Aren't we all the human race? Now, oh, pastor, thank you for clearing all that up. Now there's not going to be any more discussions needed. Now everything is settled. I hope the whole world hears this message and everything will be fine. No, why? Because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that wants to keep us divided. 
We, we live in a world that wants us to constantly look at those things. But you see, when we decide that we're going to make ourselves available, and then we decide, as we're reading here, that we're now going to take that step and be a servant. <clears throat> Paul says, I am a servant. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ in Romans 1. In Philippians 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. In James 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1 and 1, Simon Peter was considered a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. We just need to have the mindset. It's not about attaining. That's why I'm not talking about gifts right now. It's not about attaining a certain gift so you can be known. It's not about maybe you've got a gift of healing or you've got a gift of, of hospitality. Now you can have cards made. It's not about that. It's how do I serve? What does service look like? How do I serve my community? How do I, how do I serve at work? How do I take opportunities, not just to get ahead in life? I want to get a raise. I want to, I want to make more money. Listen, God, God will bless you. God blesses hard work. But, but what if you walk by four hurting people every day and you get that raise? Who cares? What happens when we, when we just walk by opportunities every day? Not just here at church, but every day we see opportunities. And we don't take advantage of them. I, I know I, I have I wrestle with this because I'm just I'm one of those guys, you know my 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 bark is really loud. There's no bite. Just a lot of noise. Because my heart, my I really do have a tender heart, so I can see somebody broke down in the southbound lane going north, and I'm thinking, okay, if I get off on the next exit. It may take a few minutes, but I'm not sure what's wrong with the car yet. So now when we're driving by, I'm just praying I can see a cell phone somewhere because then I'll know they've got access to help. Because there's a part of me, I want to stop at every broken down car I see. And I'm not even a mechanic. There's, this, there's just this aspect of wanting to be able to help someone. But can I tell you, the, the things of this world start pressing in. And I don't even remember the trip home sometimes. I can drive all the way home and not even remember passing anything. Pastor, that's called something else. No. Um, that's, that's called we get so distracted and so busy with life that even things right in front of us can't be seen. And, and being a servant, here's another aspect of being a servant. My, the crews will mess you up. Because they will tell you they are there to serve you. They came to me and asked me what I wanted. They came to my room and said, what do you need? They came, whatever restaurant we ate in, we had the same servers at every table. So by the second meal, they know what your favorite food is. Because they're there to serve you. They're coming to you. I wonder sometimes, are we going to God enough in our lives that we even know what he's desiring for us to do? Or are we, say, so distracted, we can't even see needs, period? Now, this isn't a convict. I'm just asking a few questions. Are we available? And are we willing to serve? And I, I want to add to that, anywhere 
if not even everywhere at times, because a lot of us, again, we only want to serve in our specific niche. <clears throat> no, I, I want to encourage you, play. You know, when, when, any, when any young person comes to the church specifically, whether it's from region or Old Dominion, wherever they're coming from, they want any experience, I just really don't know what I'm called to. I'm like, that's okay, try everything. Try everything, you know? And if they try to sing and they can't, we tell them. You know, okay, that's not going to work. Try something else, right? Try try greeting, and if, if they're not a good greeter, okay, well, let's try this. And, and eventually, eventually, they find that niche. They find that place that they're comfortable with and that they're good with. But you know what? They're just they're finding their place in the body. It's natural for all of us. But it's important that we understand as servants, we're constantly going to him. Or I found in my life that I'm constantly distracted with my own needs. And I spend more time needing God to serve me than me serving him. God, here I am. Here's my needs. Room 104, Lord, one more time. Just leave it at the door, Lord. I'll get it. Right? Everybody still love me? So what's the last point? I'll hurry. Be a servant, but then be a minister. Now, this word minister, obviously, can also be associated with the word serve. But why do I say minister? Because a lot of us don't view ourselves as ministers. You see, what I'm doing right now as a minister could be classified as a vocation. I, I do what I do. I know I'm called, but with all the different gifts that I, that I operate in, I know that I'm called to pastor. I know God's um, used me in a couple different ways, but, but I, I feel comfortable in my own skin. It, and that's okay if anybody wants to challenge it. But my point is, this is as good as it gets for me. <laughs> all right, all my other gifts aren't so hot. All right, I'll say it that way. But um, if you think that this is the only time you're in ministry, so what do I mean by you're in ministry? Your whole life is a life of service. Your whole life is a life of worship unto God. It's not just in heaven that we're going to stand and worship and sing. You know, I heard someone say this the other night, when we get to heaven, we're going to worship him. And then we're talking about the singing and the worshiping him like this forever. And for many, many years, I thought about that. You know, that's, that's a long worship service. I know some people are trying to get us ready for that even now. Um, but that's not what he's talking about. Because we're going to rule and reign with him forever. I know there's going to be ecstatic, powerful times of singing and praising. But can I tell you, our life of worship throughout eternity will be lived out in his glory. Not just paused and worshiped occasionally. He wants us to be able to practice that a little bit now, not wait till then. So how do we do that? We celebrate here right now, but we we're able to live it out during the week. What does that joy look like during the week? What, what does that excitement look like during the week? What does it look like? And nobody even has to know, but I, I saw somebody with a need, and I just helped them. I helped them with that flat tire, or I helped them with that bill, or I helped them. I helped watch the kids for a few minutes, whatever it looks like. We don't have to record it. We don't have to do selfies. We don't have to put it in the bulletin. And then, and then suddenly people, the neighbor starts to say, 
uh, you know, thank you so much for helping me the other day. I appreciate that. I, I, I mean, thank you. I've got a neighbor, and I know we're streaming now, so I'm always trying to be very careful. But I've got a great neighbor. I know he's far from God, but he's closer than he used to be. And every time I get a chance, I'm pushing him one step. He doesn't even know he's getting pushed sometimes, and he's 6'7", by the way, so it's not easy to push. But little by little, and, and here's how I know. Because this six foot seven guy brings us chocolate chip cookies at Christmas. He says, Man, you're a great neighbor. Because we do favors for each other all the time. So then this last Christmas, he came over with cookies again, and, and we're just sharing. And I mean, this is a year ago, but we're coming up on Christmas, so I'm already setting him up for more cookies. <laughs> But what, when I can tell that I'm making a difference in someone's life is when this six, seven guy comes over and he knows we're getting ready to go out of town and he knocks on the door and he asks my wife, hey, listen, if you need me to watch your dogs, let me know. Because I know you guys are going to be out of town. I'll be happy to come over and feed the dogs. Now, see, to me, that's a whatever. They're dogs. They can find something to eat on their own, right? But to my wife, don't call PETA, please. <clears throat> we feed my dogs, please. But to my wife, he became Gabriel, the archangel. Because now, this, this guy saying, I'll take care of your dogs. And Diane's like, man, that was not him two years ago. That was not him four years ago. Now, what am I saying? Every day you have an opportunity. If, 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 if Jesus Christ is here and they're here, every day you have an opportunity to help someone get here. And, and don't get me wrong, there's going to be days when you feel like you've gone here. Well, you're not saved by what you're doing. You're saved by his grace. It, it's not about how perfect you've become. It's will you get back up when you're not so perfect? Will you let them see a part of you that only God can produce? Will you allow yourself to, to serve people? And you don't, listen, when I say we're ministers full-time, I'm not suggesting that we all have to get ordained. But, but what if we all understood that we're all adopted? And that now that you're adopted into the family, you really can start looking more and more like your father than you've ever believed. If my son were to walk in here today, many of you would say, oh, my. You look just like your father. But please understand, sometimes to young men, that's not a, that's not a, that's, that's more of an insult, okay? He'll appreciate it when he's 50. <laughs> but here's, here's what I do know. If we're living our, if we're living our life following Jesus Christ, let's all stand. If we're living our life following Jesus Christ, I promise you, I don't know when, I don't know what the circumstances will be like, but in, in a very unique way, somebody it will tell you, you look a lot like your father. You look more like your father than you've ever looked before. Who is your father? Um, 
That can happen a lot of different ways. Now, I've not talked about one specific gift at all this morning. What I do want you to understand is necessity that we become equipped, that we become available, that we understand that service is the life we're called to, and that, that somehow, in a very unique way, God is preparing us not only to minister here, it's not just about what happens in the four walls. It's powerful, powerful times of fellowship and worship and ministry to each other. But what happens when we go home? What happens tomorrow at work? What happens this week at school? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, you know every heart right here, right now. Lord, even as we've been talking this morning, Lord, many of us here know our passions. We know the things we enjoy doing. We know the things that, that maybe we could be involved in. And Lord, we also know that life keeps us so distracted. Lord, we even confess this morning that, honestly, we like to be served. But Lord, we also understand that to follow you means to be a servant. Lord, I pray that somehow today as you are speaking to us, that, that we hear your voice clearly and loudly through your word. But Lord, I also pray that you give us the boldness to not let the distractions of life begin to overwhelm what you're doing right now. That Father, whether it's taking a next step, whether it's inquiring, whether it's finding out different ways to be involved, whatever they look like, Lord, I, I pray God that we take those steps, not get distracted one more week, and put life off one more day. Anoint us, bless us, Lord, even in the groups that meet this week, give us favor. Lord, let lives be changed, I pray, in the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Uh, please fellowship with each other. If you're comfortable, shake hands. If you need a mask, we're almost done. So they're at the back door. God bless you. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.